You're listening to a podcast by the LGIU on our recent collection of essays entitled Connected Localism. Connected Localism looks at how a localised yet connected approach to public service innovation can help us to meet complex social and political challenges. The collection features contributions from Patrick Diamond, Anthony Zakachevsky, Sophia Parker and Richard V. Reeves, with an introduction from LGIU Chief Executive Jonathan Carr-West. For more information, please go to www.lgiu.org.uk forward slash connected hyphen localism. In this short podcast, Jonathan talks about some of the key themes explored in the collection. So your chapter, Putting the Local Jigsaw Together, introduces the concept of connected localism and sets the scene for the essays which follow. Could you briefly explain the idea behind connected localism and why you think it's important for local government? Well, connected localism is a way of thinking about how councils, communities, businesses, other parts of the public sector can all work together to tackle some of the really difficult, challenging problems that we face through a collaborative engagement of all different parts of the public realm. One that draws on local innovation, but that's also capable of being scaled up and connected across different places. What do you think those challenges are? Well, I think there's, for me, there are three main areas of challenge. And, and the first, which is very familiar, certainly very familiar to people in local government, is the, is the current financial context. Uh, we've seen in the, in the current four-year spending review local government taking cuts of nearly 30%. Um, for many councils, these have been very fundamental uh, changes to their financial well-being. They've had to force really difficult decisions about what services they're able to deliver. At the same time, we've got a series of sort of changes going on within, within the, the sort of nuts and bolts of the public realm, um, whether that's through legislation like the Localism Act, new elected police commissioners, new clinical commissioning structures, so just some of the sort of basics of how things work are also changing. But sitting underneath all of that, most importantly, I think, are some big long-term changes to our society. So whether that's how we look after an ageing population, how we equip our young people to have to have the right skills for jobs that don't even exist yet, how we rebuild local economies in, in the face of a fast, fast changing shifts in, in, in the centres of global economic gravity, whether it's about how we uh, mitigate the effects of climate change, whether it's about how we deal with population movement. All of these big fundamental questions, I think, are characterised by, by incredible sort of scale and complexity of change. And, and for me, the way in which we respond to those challenges has to have two core characteristics. The first is that they are not the sort of things where someone can come up with a brilliant idea in central government or in a think tank or in a university and just roll it out and that's the answer everywhere. Actually, they need local innovation that responds to local contexts, that draws on the creativity and the civic energy of local people. So they're not amenable to one-size-fits-all solutions. Secondly, I don't think they're things that either government or civil society or individuals can fix for themselves. I think they require a much more collaborative engagement of all those different parts of the public sphere. So if you think about how we, how we look after older people, clearly the state has a role to play, enabling, framing. People have to take personal responsibility to ensure that they're investing in their own future. And we need to see sort of increased community action and, and, and those sort of social networks playing more and more of a role. And, and not, no one part of that picture can do the job by itself. So we need a connected approach that brings all that together. So that's what we talk about when we talk about local, uh, connected localism. 
connected across places, across services, across different parts of the public park. Great. And Patrick Diamond's chapter is called uh, Connecting Communities, Neighbourhood Empowerment. What does Patrick envisage neighbourhood empowerment to look like? Well, I think Patrick's interested in some of the, some of the sort of really nitty-gritty structural reforms that we need in order to relocate powers right down to some neighbourhood level and to give local government the capacity to do that. So he's talk, he talks about different forms of political and financial settlement between central and local government which will help drive really transformative change in how we organise public services locally. And he has some, some really provocative ideas around that. He looks at constitutional reform, but he also looks at the case for local taxation. You know, Ring-fencing uh, environmental taxes locally, giving local authorities the power to, to tweak the top and bottom end of, of income tax, giving increased revenue-raising power, some really sort of punchy ideas about how central government needs to see much more control to local government if local government, in turn, is to have that much more sort of engaged relationship with its communities. Great. And so um, Anthony Zakoshevsky's uh, chapter is entitled Open, Networked, Democratic, a Localist Future. What's his take on localism? Well, Ant Anthony's interested in open government, in technology, above all in democracy. And, and he, his argument, I think, would be that localism has been very patchily implemented, but that it's a prize worth fighting for. But then it needs to be characterised by a much more open, conversational, networked approach to democracy so that local leadership becomes much more about facilitation. He talks about councillors as conductors rather than directors. And that you have what he talks about as a, sort of lo a local internet of cons consultation or conversation. So you find different ways of getting people much more participatively engaged in a discussion about how they want their local place to be, rather than just coming back to them concretely at the ballot box every four years. So he talks about how you can use technology, how you can use participation methods to ensure that local people are much more at the heart of local decision-making. And so how does Sophia Parker see the future of local government um, in her chapter, which is called Connected Localism and the Challenge of Change? Well, I mean, Sophia's done a huge amount of work around innovation in local government, and and she sort of talks about how too often we go through the innovation processes that are, that are not really connected to the day-to-day -day realities of, of service delivery. And she talks about it being characterised by beanbags and post-it notes and that innovation is, is quite hard to make stick. So she looks at what councils need to do to really place innovation at the heart of how they deliver services and to look at how they focus on a sort of lifestyle approach, making people's lives better having a different different relationship between citizens and state and state. So that the role of the council becomes much more about helping us to do things for ourselves. Um, and that's a fairly sort of, that requires a fairly fundamentally different way of thinking about service delivery, which obviously chimes with the connected localist approach. The last chapter is by Richard V. Reeves and it's entitled Localism and Opportunity, Friends or Foes. He looks at localism from a different angle, from a perspective emphasising social mobility. What does he have to say about connected localism? Well, I think, I think Richard, Richard is articulating a, a version of the, the, the tension between, or the apparent tension between localism and cosmopolitanism, that there's a risk that localism becomes parochial, um, that it becomes inward-looking, that it sort of traps people where they are. And so... Traditionally, social mobility and localism have seen they've seen as being talks. What Richard's examining is how the relationship between individual 
aspiration, individual mobility, and and the and the individual as a sort of moral and political agent, how that fits with the sort of power of neighbourhood, the contextualisation, the power of place, the sort of social networks that people uh, people inhabit, and how you tease out the sort of tensions between between those. So we're coming to the end of our podcast. Do you have any concluding thoughts on how we move forward with connected localism? Well, I, I don't see connected localism as, as a political ideology, or, or certainly not as some sort of public management method. And it's interesting that the thinkers we've talked about, um, his, his essays are collected in the pamphlet, all have very different takes on it. Then they all share the core idea that we need local innovation to drive our responses to, to some of these complex challenges. I like to think about connected localism as a, as a way of thinking and doing that builds on the, the creativity and the, the huge amounts of sort of civic energy that we know exists within local communities, but that connects that local drive into a more sort of dynamic network of innovation that, that, that spreads across the country, that spreads across different public services, that spreads across different sectors. And I think what we need to do now is think about what that means in practice. There's a recognition, I think, in local government now that we are approaching a moment of crisis. Both those short-term economic pressures and some of those long-term changes I talked about at the beginning of the podcast put massive pressure on public services and mean that we need to think really hard, not, not just about how we do what we do now, but fundamentally about what a council is, what it does, how it commissions services, how it, how it curates places in such a way that services aren't required to the same degree. That requires a really hard bit of renegotiation about the boundaries between the citizen, the state and communities. And I think putting that into practice and thinking about what that means in real terms while still trying to deliver real services that protect the vulnerable, that support people, that enable communities, that's the challenge for the future. Great. Thank you, Jonathan. This has been a podcast by the LGIU on our collection of essays, Connected Localism. For more information, please go to www.lgiu.org.uk forward slash connected hyphen localism.